This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, March 20. Eighth, and that is the last Sunday without baseball for quite Ever. some time, Brendan, as we are now just days away from the Cubs and Pirates at Wrigley Field on April 1st. There will be, of course, a small percentage of fans in attendance. We have a ton of roster decisions to get to today. We are going to spend this episode looking at those roster decisions as all but one spot is now set for the Cubs Major League roster heading to Wrigley Field on Thursday. We'll talk about all of that, all the quotes, all of the decisions, and then we will do another episode for you on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, uh, before the game to just, you know, sort of get ready for opening day, get hyped, get ready to support the Chicago Cubs as they try to win another World Series. And I'm ready, Brendan. It's, you know, I feel like spring training has come and gone pretty quickly. I think maybe that's just a product of everything going on in the world and, and you know, kind of how weird the 2020 season was and this off season. But I'm I'm ready to go. For this spring, in, in my recent memory, this is the most fun spring I've had. No injuries, knock on wood. And from day one to the end of next week, you know exactly what they're trying to do. The path is clear, has been clear. And the moves we're going to talk about today all make sense, I think. Marquee, and they, they got this from ESPN, I guess, but they, they yeah. did a broadcast the other day where Rizzo was mic'd up basically straight for four innings not just little clips so, so like he good. was in the dugout he was on the field he was batting so good I I know they can't do that during the regular season but in spring training it should be basically and as many times as Rizzo's willing to wear the mic I would do yeah. it because it you know I'm is, surprised there was like no cursing like even in well the he warns everybody when they get on first base or whatever he's like I'm wearing a mic be I careful know. you know but even when you go through the dugout you could hear him in yeah. the background like oof, little little risky there. Oh, Marky, they 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 know it. Rizzo's mic'd up, so they're on. They're being good boys. They're on I their best it. behavior. I but sure. just I, I mean, you know, he was talking with uh, Mike Estremski at first base on the Giants at one point, and you know, like he <laughs> says, golf. "Hey, Boog and JD, look, I'm flirting with the other team." Just stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. It's it's so good. And he's well, the know, he's the just, Tommy Lastella stuff too was hilarious. Yes, it was like Tommy, what do you want to say to Cubs fans? They're like, "Oh, sorry for 2016." <laughs> so just a uh, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, with Rizzo on the broadcast. As often as they want to do it, I support it. But anyway, turning to the the roster. I mean, we're we're basically wrapping up spring training here. Uh, the backup catcher situation is the lone decision left to make. A lot of the other stuff that we've been covering this whole offseason and in spring training has been decided, and we'll see how it plays out in the regular season. But some of this stuff has been taken care of. We have our initial rotation. It'll probably change, as we talked about a lot 
Uh, you're going to have to use more than just five guys to get those starts over the course of 162 games, but we know how David Ross and company are going to begin the season in terms of a five-man rotation. We know what this bullpen is going to look like, and we know what the second base situation is going to be, which was the uh, kind of main storyline to watch throughout spring training. So we're going to we're gonna talk about all of that and, and what we think about the decisions the Cubs made and, and uh, everything surrounding that. So to start, I, I just want to read through who we have 25 of 26 names so far. And again, the backup catcher spot with uh, PJ Higgins being the sort of likely man for that, but that has not been officially decided yet. Other than that, this is your Chicago Cubs roster. So the regulars, of course, uh, not too many surprises here. Again, second base being that main spot to watch. Anthony Rizzo, David Bodie. Uh, I buried the lead, but David Bodie wins the second base job in spring training. David Ross says David Bodie will have the opportunity to be your everyday starting second baseman. Javi Baez, of course, will be your shortstop. Chris Bryant, your third baseman. Maybe he gets into the outfield a little bit. Wilson Contreras, your catcher. Jock Peterson, your left fielder. Ian Happ, your center fielder. Jason Hayward, your right fielder. Your bench will be Jake Marisnik. Matt Duffy makes the team over uh, presumably Ildemaro Vargas, and Eric Sogard makes the team as well over Ildemaro Vargas, who was designated for assignment, uh, but they opted for Duffy as one of those bench guys. And TBD, the TBD is, of course, the backup catcher. The bullpen, Craig Kimbrell, Brandon Workman, Dan Winkler, Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin, Alec Mills starts in the bullpen. Jason Adams, Rex Brothers, Jason Adams, excuse me, Rex Brothers and Dylan Maples. I added the S because Brothers and Maples have the S at the end, but it is Jason Adam, no S. And your rotation, one through five, how they will line up opening weekend against the Pirates, and then, of course, in the second series of the year, Kyle Hendricks, your opening day starter. Jake Arietta, Chicago Cub version 2.0, is in the number two spot to break up Kyle Hendricks and the number three starter, rounding out the series against the Pirates next weekend, Zach Davies. And then following those three in the four and five slots, Trevor Williams will get the nod and making the team and the rotation to start the season. Good for him. Adbear Alzali. So that is your roster save for the backup catcher spot. Uh, you know, again, PJ Higgins has been kind of the the likely guy, but you know, as as a bunch of roster cuts and things like that happen around the league, we'll see what the Cubs decide to do there. But that is your roster. So we'll we'll talk about all of this. We'll talk about Alzali making the rotation, getting the nod on the opening day roster. We'll talk about some of these bullpens decisions. Namely, I think uh, the Cubs going with Rex Brothers and Dylan Maples, deciding to give some some of the guys with with bigger stuff, stuff that you dream on, but that you know have not necessarily been able to corral it. Uh, they're different guys, but you know I think those two may be decisions that uh, were up in the air throughout spring. And uh, we'll talk about the bench, you know, Matt Duffy, Eric Sogard. But where I would like to start is, uh, I think, the pretty obvious place, Brendan, and that is the second base position. It was a thing to watch this entire offseason. It was the main 
position battle. It was the only real position battle in spring training uh, for the position players, and it is won by David Bodie and mm. Nico Horner. Will was optioned, so he is not on the major league roster to start this season. He will start at the satellite site, uh, you know, doing sim games, scrimmages, things like that. There was a report that some of the satellite situations for the teams, if they're in close proximity to other teams, other organizations' satellite, that they might do some uh, scrimmaging. I don't know if that was official, but I did see that reported uh, from some of the Cubs beat writers. So, you know, at least some extra competition, ability to face different guys, not just your own roster, that type of thing. Uh, So that is the decision that the Cubs made. Now, this is a nuanced situation. Uh, It was pretty explosive. I think this dropped on Saturday night pretty late. So it was a, uh, it was like the Wild West on, on Cubs Twitter with many different ranging reactions. Um, so Brendan, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you, your, your initial reaction here on the decision with regard to Nico, uh, but also on David Bodie. And I, I think that, uh, again, there is a lot to think about in this decision, um, but the the initial thing I, I want to read is David Ross's quote about this decision, uh, and we'll use that sort of as a jumping off point. And you know, this is kind of the the thought process that we've gotten from the team at least thus far, and we'll we'll go from there. Uh, so. David Ross saying, quote, this has been a tough decision because of how great everybody's played. Then it comes down to who at the end is deserving of the opportunity. And that's where it comes in. We've talked it to death. You know, we've talked it back and forth because of who we know Nico is and the future we think he has and the work he put in looks so real. But also, you know, it's David's turn. It's David's turn. And I think mm-hmm. David's been hearing that message for a long time, that it's somebody else's turn. It's not your turn. And now David gets an opportunity. I'm excited for David Bodie. As bad as my heart hurts for Nico Horner, I'm also equally excited for David Bodie. And he went on to say and, and explain that once they decided that David Bodie had earned the job and they wanted to give him the opportunity to be the everyday starting second baseman that they did not want Nico on the team to get bench at bats or you know maybe get a start here or there or be asked to pinch hit things like that they viewed the better decision at this time being sending Nico to the alternate site where they can very carefully craft the work that he's getting the pitchers he's facing and how many live at bats they want him taking. Now, obviously, that is not the same as in-game Major League action. I don't think anybody would argue that. But Ross just went on to explain that once we decided this was David Bodie's job, we did not want Nico Horner playing the role of a bench bat, and who knows when the opportunities would come up. So that is sort of the starting point for this. So, Brendan, you can kind of take this yeah. where wherever you want. I, I, I think we'll end up talking about the three people, I guess, involved at this position at at one point or another, but however you want to kind of get us going here, whether it's to look at David Bodie, uh, talk about the the perspective from Nico Horner, however we want to go about this, but I think this is obviously the, it has been the, the main position to watch, and now that we have our answer, we can kind of look at the Cubs thought process, look at what they're doing here, and, and flesh it out a little bit. 
Yeah, I think my my first reaction once the news was dropped was was disappointment, right? Like we've been talking about Nico with high regards for over a year. And so I wanted Nico to get the job. Now, that being said, I'm not devastated about it. And it does make sense when you consider all the factors. And I think an initial reaction was by a lot of people that this is a service time priority where Nico's going to go down. And then after five to six weeks, call him back up and you get that extra year of control. So a lot of people are equating that to Chris Bryant's situation from six years ago. Yeah. Don't do as that. justification, right? As justification for why Nico is not on the team, and maybe that's partially one of the reasons, right? We'll never know. But there's also a lot of other factors that do make sense, and the first factor is David Bodie. And I, th- first off, too, when we talk about this, how David Ross framed that answer—that is why David Ross is your manager. That is the perfect response recognizing Nico's disappointment at the same time boosting Bodie's role, boosting Bodie's uh, potential role and as, as a reward for his hard work. And it makes sense too, like Bodie, does, like Bodie does deserve this man. His entire career trajectory has been so unorthodox. And if you go in from his debut year and you scale his war, his wins above replacement, just by like 600 plate appearances per year, he's been a two-win player every single year of his career. First year, 2.6. Second year, 2.5. Last year, 2 on the dot. And again, I know that's because he's in partial playing time. But it's to say that even when he's playing, even in the roles he was given, he was valuable. And he was inconsistent at times. But overall, the sum, he was valuable. And Corey, you brought up the point. So I don't want to take credit for this. But Bodie, his contract for five years, 15 million, 3 mil annual average value if he becomes a staple in this lineup, that is immensely valuable, right? Right, Especially when you consider the Cubs, and we don't know, but if you consider the Cubs' financial restrictions this year and maybe next year, we don't know. But having Bodie come out as like an average player and able to at least cement himself as a consistent utility player, not even at second base. Second base could be a starting point. But him to come out in be valuable offensively from day one would be huge, not just for Bodie, but for the Cubs and their flexibility and their payroll flexibility and even Nico's flexibility, dude. Because if Bodie does come out and perform well offensively, move Bodie to third base, move KB to left field. If Jock cannot hit lefties after all, then there's your platoon right there. You can put Bodie in third base, KB in left field, and have Nico start at second base. And you get Nico more playing time. So that that is the main justification for me. And again, it's not to discount the thought that yes, maybe this is partially influenced by service time, but I don't think that's a driving force because if it were, if service time was an issue principally, then Adbert Alzali may have not made the team. Right. The same can be said about Alzali. But he's on the team, and not only is he on the team, he is starting in the rotation. So I, I kind of want to start it there because, again, my first reaction was, like, what the hell? Like, I wanted Nico to be the, start, the starting second baseman. At the same time, I recognize Bodie's hard work. I recognize his potential value. I recognize the changes he's made even this spring with some of his batting stance and some of his batting mechanics. 
I want to see Bodie get a shot. I wish Bodie and, and Nico could get a, a same shot in the same lineup, but I see for the first three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, it's okay. Let's see what happens, and we'll go from there. He, here's the thing, and to go back to a point that you made initially, which was that a lot of people remember the Chris Bryant situation and his service time manipulation, which is what it was, right? We, we can call a spade that a spade one was on for that, sure, right? Well, yeah. yeah. Um, if you are comparing the, the Nico Horner situation to that of Chris Bryant, you've lost me, right? And I'm not, honestly, like, I mean, no offense by this, but I'm not super interested in hearing the rest of your argument. And you know if you've been listening to this podcast for really any amount of time since he was drafted, but especially this offseason, both Brendan and I are on record as wanting Nico to win this job, wanting Nico to begin what we both have stated many times that we believe is a long run as the Chicago Cubs' everyday second baseman. So nothing that I say or that Brendan says in this conversation is taking anything away from Nico because we love Nico, right? I can go pull the audio from any number of podcasts that prove that. We love Nico on the Cubs Related Podcast, and we both wanted him to win this job. But he's not Chris Bryant, and comparing the two is just not going to do a lot for your argument. Um, And one of the main things with that is Chris Bryant at one point in his minor league career was literally hitting a home run like every other day, right? He was so clearly done and beyond minor league baseball, right? And then in 2015, the year he was called up, he hit 425 with a 1652 OPS in spring training. Now, Nico also had a good spring training, but Bodie had a better OPS. And when you are comparing these situations, Chris Bryant was clearly, you know, way too good for minor league baseball, right? He was proving that. Then he had a huge camp, and there was no argument that he didn't deserve to be the the everyday third baseman to start the 2015 season, right, over Michael, which is the decision that they made. And then they called him up immediately after the service time was flipped, right? And they gained the extra year of control. That was service time manipulation. That's what it was. We just dealt with a whole grievance about it. It's in the past. It is what it is. That is an issue that the the MLB Players Association, they need to work out in this next CBA. It's one of the many reasons that there might be a lockout at some point. So I'm not a fan of this this manipulation or this situation, but every team in the league does it. This is how it works. I just don't think that's what's happening here. I'm I'm sure the Cubs aren't mad about gaining potentially the extra year of control on Nico Horner. I I don't mean to suggest that this isn't even something they considered, right? Like, you know, Jed Hoyer's like, oh, we we gain an extra year of, of control on Nico? I had no idea, right? Of course, that's not the case. But with Chris Bryant, that was the only argument, right? There was no good argument that the best team for the Cubs to start the twenty five the 2015 season included Chris Bryant. 
it's just not the same situation here. Like, Chris Bryant has been a seven-win player. He's won an MVP, Rookie of the Year. Like, he, he, at one point before the injuries started to curtail his offensive performance, like, from 2015 to 2019, the only two people in the league that were better than Chris Bryant were Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. Again, I love Nico Horner. I believe he's the second baseman of the future for this team. That is not Nico Horner. Like, it's just not. Nico Horner is not, at least right now, I don't think anybody views him as that level of player. Like, the the, the solid future projection on Nico is a solid, like, you know, maybe like three to four win second baseman with how good he is defensively if he can come and bring that offense and, and work which, those which changes in. And that's not to discount that value. Right, like of course. Four yes, win, that's win, very uh, valuable. That would be yes, a, a great... Uh, first round draft pick success story, right? It would be yeah. great, but when you when you immediately compare this to a situation like Bryant's, it's like yeah, like no, <laughs> you know, like the the Chris Bryant didn't play in a major league season, a partial one, and put up a 570 OPS like right. Nico Horner did. Chris Bryant had the projection of being a star, like literally as he was for the first four years of his career, a top three player in baseball. Love Nico Horner. This just isn't the same situation. So I I think that the initial reaction being so certain that the only reason for this was the service time, I just can't get behind it. Um, and the Cubs organization have made plenty of decisions where I don't necessarily think you need to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I mean, I just like rationally, I just don't think that makes sense here. And I, I think a, a very telling way of, of looking at this, it was a piece on NBC Chicago by Gordon Wittenmeyer, who, as he notes in the piece would be the first person right, writing a dissertation about how the Cubs had manipulated Nico's service time and all that other stuff. And the premise of his article on NBC Chicago was, I can't find it. I would love to rip the Chicago Cubs, right? You know, why we're not necessarily the biggest Gordo fans here. But he loves ripping the Chicago Cubs, and he just couldn't find it. And I I actually wanted to read part of this piece because I think it, it does explain a lot of what's going on here, and at least some things I would ask you to consider if you're positive that service time is the only thought here. And so part of this piece says this, just consider this. If the Cubs wanted to manipulate his service time, they could have optioned him to the alternate site last year and recouped the three weeks in 2019 in just eight days. They could have done this last year, then added five days to that to secure a seventh year because of the prorated formula used during the shortened 2020 season, right? Also consider that David Bodie had a higher OPS Eric Sogard, who I am not really a fan of, you guys know that, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but they also had good springs, right? So it's not as though David Bodie was chosen after having a bad spring, and we're kind of like trying to dig through the numbers as to, huh, like what's going on here, right? And another thing that Gordon mentions at the end here is that the last stretch for Nico in spring training has been a four for 24 at the plate which he started hot at the plate, going 9 for 13 in the in the first at-bats, but the recent stretch has not been as good. And when the key for Nico has been his offensive development, the adjustments, adjusting to pitching, things like that, that might matter. It's all spring training. It's all small samples, but it's not to be thrown out, right, that what we said at the beginning of this offseason in relation to this 
position battle was. If you guys remember, we wanted Nico to win. We believed that he could. And if it were up to me, I probably would have given him the job. But I'm not a scout. I'm not seeing all these games. I'm not seeing everything that the Cubs front office and all of their evaluators are seeing. But what the most important thing we said was, was not who won the job, but Nico's development and Nico's future. And if they looked at this and they said, we don't think he's ready. We don't think that he's going to succeed as the everyday player now. And we think David Bodie is. I, I don't think that's like a crazy decision for them to make. And yeah. as you said, Brendan, that we talked about before we jumped on, David Bodie is on a very team-friendly deal right? He has proven that he can be an exit velocity leader, uh, you know, a guy who constantly barrels up the ball. He's, uh, you know, he's a confusing defender is how I would phrase that. He's good. He makes a lot of really nice plays, uh, but he also boots some routine ones. So he's an interesting defender. That'll be an interesting thing to watch. But he, him being an everyday player, whether it's at second base, whether it's potentially at third base, wherever they want to try him, He's on a team-friendly deal, guys. David Bodie being a solid MLB starter on the contract that he's on would be a very big deal for this team going forward, especially with how uncertain the payroll has been at times in past years. So again, just to like recap, I don't want to dismiss the service time stuff outright and say that the Cubs didn't even consider that they might get an extra year. But it just doesn't really, I, I can't get behind it as this like big nefarious, like, haha, the Cubs are suppressing his salary and all this other stuff. There's a lot going on here. And I, I can't get behind that being the only or even predominant motive. And, you know, kind of going to the Chris Bryan comparison as well, like, Nico, you, you manipulate teams manipulate service time because it's a it's it's an exploitable thing in this collective bargaining agreement and with how the major league salaries work and arbitration and you know contract rights and things like that. Nico's not typically the type of person you do that with, right? The reason the Cubs do that on Chris Bryant is because they're projecting Chris Bryant to be again as he literally was a top five player in baseball winning MVP awards and going through arbitration and eventually making 20 plus million dollars in arbitration. It's just not Nico Horner, right? Like even like the highest projection, it's, it's just not the type of move that you would be making. It's it's not really like the, the teams manipulate service time on guys like Chris Bryant and Vlad Guerrero Jr., right? Or Mookie Betts, like players like that right? You, you don't, you just, it, it, a guy like Nico, and again, this is taking nothing away from a guy who I believe is the future second baseman of the Chicago Cubs. I want to make that very clear. This just isn't a, a classic case for this. So I, I think I'm all about pointing out this stuff when it happens, right? And when it's so clear, like it was in 2015 with Chris Bryan, it's, it, it is as blatantly what is happening, right? I, I just can't get behind it here. I, I think legitimately they believe in David Bodie and they believe that they want to give a shot to a guy who performed really well in spring training and who they have on a friendly contract because it would be valuable to them. And one thing I, one last thing I want to note before we kind of look at some other angles on this, with David Bodie too, you, you have to remember that like Nico Horner worked very hard 
this offseason. He stayed in Chicago. He worked with uh, assistant hitting coordinator Chris Felica. He made changes to his swing. As we've noted, he bulked up. I mean, he looked huge. He looks in incredible shape, right? Total best shape of his life situation for Nico Horner yeah, this yeah. spring training. He did everything they asked of him. So has David Bodie, right? And and that was one of those things that I saw where it's like, you know, are you concerned that, you know, Nico did everything they asked, he, he made these changes, he put in the work, and he didn't get rewarded for it? Maybe. That's up to Nico. But, I, but David Ross was also talking about how he spoke to Nico and how Nico admitted that he understood that, you know, he was only up in 2019 because of a circumstantial situation that benefited him and allowed him to move up, and sort of the same in 2020. So I think Nico understands how this all works. He's a smart guy. He's a smart smart guy. guy. He's a Stanford guy. And, you know, he has had a weird trajectory. He made it to the majors long before he probably should have. And that you know, all of that might be the reason that this is, you know, that he's his development is on such a weird thing. Like he was accelerated very quickly. So I think he understands that. But I I believe in that. And and I and again, like I wanted Nico to get the job, right? We saw this work that he was putting in and and everything. But David Bodie has also done everything that this team has asked. He he's been a role player when he needed to be a role player. He stepped in and played on a on a more regular basis when there's been injuries. He's tried himself at different positions. He's put in the work, you know? So I think for as much as we want to give Nico credit for it, it's not as like it's not as though Nico's the only person on this team. You're saying put some respect on Bodie's name. That's yeah, what you're right. Saying. And you know, it's like yeah, it's not like it. again, all the credit in the world to Nico. We come on here, we yeah. talk about Jason Hayward, you know, going to Arizona in December and putting in the work. I think on this podcast we try to respect when it's really clear that these guys are putting in the work dedicating the time and like trying to you know give credit for that but so did David Bodie man like Nico Horner's not the only person working hard on this team and and ultimately you don't have to take David Ross's words at face value right I always say that like there's always stuff that we don't know internal evaluations conversations things like that but I believe that if they wanted David Bodie to get this shot and they were still unsure about where Nico was offensively, that they don't want him just sitting on the bench and, and getting spot Which starts or trying sense. to pinch hit and things like that. Sure. They want to be able to control his development. And I, I would just reiterate that nothing anybody has ever said, right, whether it's David Ross or Jed Hoyer, and it was David Ross this weekend, everything they say points to all these decisions being made so that Nico has the longest and most successful career as the everyday second baseman for the Chicago Cubs. That is what this is all geared toward, which is what we said in the beginning of this offseason, Brendan, that that has to be the priority, whether that meant he got more minor league development time, of which he's had very little compared to a lot of the other Cubs prospects that have come through the ranks and made it to the MLB roster, and we wanted him to his overall future and development to be the number one priority, whether that meant more time in the minors or immediately starting on the team. So again, there's a lot at play here. I totally get, you know, some of the, I was disappointed as well, right? Like I believe in Nico, but what my main concern was, and I suppose this is a potential transition here, Brendan, I was much more in my own head about this decision until David Ross said that David Bodie won the job and was going to have the opportunity to start. Now, we have to see that play out, but 
my initial. See, I don't. I don't. I don't buy winning the job. Like you said, you said about like David Ross being, you know, not taking his words at face value. Like Nico hit the ball pretty well. So when I when I hear that, I'm thinking more along the lines of we've seen changes Bodie has made over the last year in spring, and it's not the actual results in spring per se, but it's a process to get to this sure. point. Yeah. Well, and but what yeah. I what I was what I was getting at is my only concern was if you're going to send Nico down and you're going to do this, you better not make Eric Sogard your everyday second baseman. I swear to God, that's Corey. that's all God. that completely shifted my focus on this decision. Once David and again they have to do it, they have to put him in the lineup every day. They have to commit to that, so we have to see them do that once Thursday comes and we're but he's on not the regular go season. His word, you know, once you once you say that, he, he's got to be starting. Yeah, yeah, no, I I believe it. I'm just saying, like we do have to see it, but. When the report initially came out about Nico, we didn't know that. We didn't know what they were thinking yet until we heard from David Ross. Right, and so in right. my head, I'm thinking they they better not be sending Nico down to play Eric Sogard every day because I'm going to lose it. And <laughs> here's what I'll say on this, right? Eric Sogard had a good camp, right? He he looked like exactly the version of Eric Sogard that the Cubs would want and that you would want, right? He makes more contact than a lot of guys on this team. He was blooping hits. He hit, I think he, you know, he had some homers, right? He he was doing exactly what you would envision a successful version of Eric Sogard to look like. As I stated before he even took the field for the Cubs in spring training, right? I was ahead of this. My only concern is that he has consistently been a weak contact producer. He has several times rated in the bottom 5% of exit velocity and quality of contact and things like that. So all I was concerned about was giving too much playing time to a guy to make more contact while sacrificing the quality of contact and, you know, falling into a trap of he's a a veteran, you know, he has that reputation. You hear it from everybody. You know, he's a grinder. He's he's a veteran. He's scrappy, right? He's like one of those guys, which typically are not my kind of baseball players, right? So he had a good camp, and I hope he's successful. I I always say on this show that I don't have a dog in this race. The dog that I have in this race is the Chicago Cubs, right? I'm not rooting for a particular version of this roster to succeed and another version to fail, right? I want the Cubs to win. If Eric Sogard is lighting it up and helping the Cubs win, let's do it, right? Let's ride. I I hope he is able to look like that guy we saw in spring training. I just don't want them to overcommit to that. And part of that is unfair on my part. Part of that is just being scarred by Joe Madden and guys like Daniel Descalso, or Albert Almora, or, uh, you know, some of these other things where we've just seen them hold on to it for too long. But I think it's unfair on my part, but I'm admitting that, right? David Ross was pretty good about that in 2020. He had a short leash on a lot of people that needed a short leash. Maybe not as short as, you know, uh, uh, to be perfect, but, you know, he, he got Kimbrell out of the closer role pretty quickly, right? And then they, you know, were open about, hey, this isn't working. We got to do some stuff here, right? He shifted things in the lineup when he needed to. You know what I mean? Like he moved guys, you know, he moved Javi down at one point, which I'm sure was a very difficult decision. Like that's not an easy decision. And Ross was willing to do it. So, you know, and this is also Jed Hoyer. So he's not Theo, things like that. So I, I, I think it's a little unfair. I just 
I'm admitting to all of you that that's what worries me about Eric Sogard. However, once he once David Ross makes this clear that this is more about Bodie than anything else, then that's what I want to see, and I'm fine with that, right? I am totally good with David Bodie getting that shot, and if they want to see if Eric Sogard can be uh, a spot starter, he can fill in at a lot of positions, right? He's one of those guys, fine. Just don't play him every day. If it's not working, cut bait, and <laughs> please don't put him at leadoff, right? Guys that make contact aren't good leadoff hitters necessarily, right? It's who's getting the most plate appearances on the team, all right? It shouldn't be someone that makes so much weak contact. But again, I want Sogard to succeed. I want the Cubs to succeed. If these guys are on the roster, that's what I want to happen. But I just am explaining why I was so, you know, whatever about that. But as long as this is about David Bodie, primarily, I'm I'm good with it. There's a lot to consider in this situation, but I, I think once you put it all together, I think this is fine from the Chicago Cubs. Listen, I want everyone on the Cubs to succeed, but in an ideal world, I don't want to see Eric Sogard play baseball for this team. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I want to see Bodie succeed. I want to see Nico succeed. I want to see Sogard. Bye-bye. So if he succeeds, that's great, but that's not my ideal well, I think it's my harder ideal- to envision how Bodie and... Nico succeed at the same time, I guess, right now. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Like I said, I think if there's ways to get these guys in the lineup, you can, and even Ross said this three weeks ago, that KB will get reps in the outfield. So whether that's, you know, Hayward getting time off against certain lefties, putting KB in right field, or putting Jock in in right field, even though it's probably not going to happen, but you you can move these guys around. So I I don't think that's not within the realm of possibility where Nico and Bodie can succeed. If you're thinking like, and, and like Corey too, if if Bodie does succeed, right? Let's say for the first month that he's batting 300, his weight on base average is around 400, then like where is room for Nico to even play? You know what I'm trying to say? So uh-huh. it's, if you have Bodie succeed, then by default, you're going to have issues even playing Nico regardless. So I, I think the, the end ideal result his Bodie plays so well that he works himself in a way that he's almost like a miniature Ben Zobris in terms of utility, mm-hmm. where he can play third base. And even Nico Tukor, he can play the outfield. He got outfield reps. You know, if, if Hap needs to get some time off against certain lefties as well, because he's not hitting well from their right side, maybe Nico will get outfield reps in center field. So right. I think it's possible. And I'm but sorry. I, I think the I don't like I do not I do not like Eric Sogard. Neither do I. He does not he does not do it for me. So I I'm not rooting against a guy, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not actively rooting for him. I'll be perfectly honest with you about that. Well, I think the ideal scenario is that you end up in a situation where yeah, you're asking yourself that question. How do we get David Bodie and Nico Horner in this lineup, right? And those are good problems to have right? Like if you have to get one of them playing a different position or you have to move things around, great. That's great. You want, you know, you want too many good players. That's a good thing. And you can deal with that whenever. So that's this decision. I I think, you know, again, this is, uh, it's a nuanced thing, but when David Bodie has the spring that he does, uh, you know, an OPS over a thousand, has hit some loud home runs, has looked good, I, I, again, like partially disappointed just from a Nico perspective, 
But overall, I, I, I think this is fine. And I, I think that the justification from Ross and the team is a good one. And I, I hope David Bodie succeeds. And I, I hope he proves this decision correct. And I, and I hope he proves yeah. them right. Uh, so moving on, I think the rest of the, you know, regular position group, you know, we already knew about that. Jock Peterson hit his eighth home run of the spring on Sunday. So looking forward to him carrying this over to the regular season. And, and of course, as we've talked about his, I'm betting on myself, I'm going to prove that I'm an everyday player season. I think it's going to be fun, you know, only a limited number of fans, but I think the folks that are in left field in the bleachers on Thursday are going to be really jazzed to welcome Jock Peterson to Wrigley Field. I think that's going to be a fun moment. And, you know, eventually once the bleachers are full, I think that'll be pretty exciting for Jock. It's 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 always fun to watch new guys interact at Wrigley Field, but especially when they have a spring like Jock did. I think it just, you know, is kind of that combination that should be a lot of fun to watch him step into Wrigley and kind of uh, endear himself to the Wrigley fans and, and experience that. It was always fun watching Schwarber go out and do his, you know, wave and, and bows and things like that to the left field crowd. So I'm, I'm looking forward to how that goes for Jock in his debut on Thursday. As far as the rest of the bench, um, you know, Matt Duffy was kind of the... Uh, I think maybe a surprise over, I guess, Ildemaro Vargas or however you really want to structure that. The Cubs do uh, move Cameron Maven, but he did accept the alternate site assignment. Uh, You know, they restructured that deal. So that's good. Cameron Maven seems to be really just a great teammate. Everybody seems to really love him. We've talked about that. Uh, You know, Ian Happ was tweeting about that, just how great a teammate he is. They had him on the compound. They talked a little bit about that. And just just seeing him interact with the team over, you know, from when he was here in 2020 to this spring, he he just seems like a guy you want to have around. He was a solid player for the Cubs, obviously didn't make the team here. Um, You know, I think they opt for Marisnik and and kind of the skill set that he brings, at least for the moment. But it's it's good to have someone like Maben still around, and I think it's also good that he decided to stay. I mean, clearly that means he, you know, likes being with the Cubs and, you know, everything they have going on and perhaps uh, the plan that they have for, for this season to, to, you know, ultimately get him involved. So I think that that was a, a positive piece of roster news with, with all the moving on. But I think with Duffy, uh, I, I was looking at Jordan Bastion, MLB.com, Cubs.com, uh, writer and friend of the podcast, his Twitter, and he he basically said that David Ross said in the morning uh, that you know with Sogard they felt like they had someone who could back up short uh, if they needed, and from there they preferred the high contact on base track record of Duffy. Now you know Duffy is uh, someone who finished behind Chris Bryant in the Rookie of the Year voting and has not had that recent success. But I think with Vargas, as we talked about, Brendan, you were looking more, he's got pop, right? But once the second base situation is as crowded as it is and you feel like you're covered, they opted for someone who brought, you know, just a different skill set, really. And that is the potential, right? Whether that happens for Duffy or not, we'll see. But the potential to be a more high contact, walk driven guy, which is obviously stuff that the Cubs have looked to increase. So I don't know if you have any strong feelings on the rest of the position group or the bench, or if we can, you know, move on to the pitching decisions. But that is where things are for the Cubs position player roster. No, I, I like the Duffy, 
you know, I, I don't know what you want to call it, but I like keeping Duffy. I think he provides a different type of plate discipline approach that this team does need. And we talked about it right when he was signed. I think the guy has a legitimate chance to be someone who takes a ton of pitches, someone who makes a ton of contact, someone who hits for, you know, mild to moderate power off the bench. And he can do so at second base. He can spell Rizzo when he needs a day off at first base, as we've seen during spring training. And he came up in the league as a shortstop, although he's not played there at all, really, in the last three to four years. But... If in a worst case scenario, he can play shortstop and he can play third base. So he plays every infield position potentially, but more than likely he'll be, you know, mixed around spilling Rizzo and, you know, maybe KB at times. I like it. The discipline approach, the the sub 20% outside the zone swing rate is among the best. If he were to be playing every single day, his strikeout rate, uh, phenomenal contact rate around 85%, well above league average. And again, something this team needs because they've been so whiff-prone and strikeout-prone over the last four to five years. So in my mind, I know we didn't hear a lot about Duffy, but him making the team was inevitable. I just assumed that. I don't know if I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm not because this is what happened. But there was never a doubt that he would not make the team for me. I I always thought it would be between Vargas and Sogard. And I thought Vargas would get the nod. I'm kind of sad he didn't. But Duffy, inevitable for me. I think over time... Once a year goes on, I think Cub fans will will see why Duffy is on this team. Yeah, and, and part of that too is the Cubs opting to go with fourteen pitchers. Obviously, uh, yeah. with the uncertainty of how you're going to get those starting innings and making sure you're able to prioritize guys' health and stretching them out, things like that. But also, especially with someone like Rowan Wick, you know, not available for opening day, the progress is good there. But you know, he's he's going to you know obviously they're going to make sure that they're focused on the long haul for him, not just opening day. Uh, so you know, obviously opting to have more guys, more options in the bullpen, try some of these guys out. As we said, Rex Brothers, Dylan Maples. Uh, so that also informs you know the the shorter bench, uh, if you will. But on to the pitching. I, I don't think you know really. I think the top four kind of expected in this rotation: Hendricks, Arietta, Davies, and Trevor Williams. As you know, you guys know, Brendan's been big on Trevor Williams. He's had a really nice spring, so really excited to see what he's able to do in, in taking all the stuff that he and Tommy Hadovy and those guys have worked on in since coming over to the Cubs, and you know, seeing what that's like for him. I if you followed it a little bit. His dad, also uh, a big Cubs fan, they, they've got a lot of history there with the Cubs organization. So, you know, just looking forward to him being able to enjoy a regular season as a member of the Cubs, as uh, someone pitching at Wrigley Field. And I, look, I'm not going to speak for him, Brendan, but if I were a player, if I were putting myself in the in the mind of a Major League Baseball player, I'd be a little excited to be playing for a team like the Cubs as opposed to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I, you just know, a little just bit. a little. Just a I little mean, bit. even yeah. having the the projection of entering a season is competing for a division title on a team that is defending the division title. It's got to be a little more exciting than playing for a team that everybody is sort of joking whether or not like the AAA, you know, Yankees could <laughs> could, could beat them like the Pittsburgh Pirates. I, I don't know. Maybe Trevor would disagree. Maybe there's less pressure playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I don't know. But I have to assume he's pretty jacked, especially with the family connection. Um, but the exciting part is Adbert Alzali getting that fifth spot. And 
he's one of those guys, he's going to be on an innings limit. He's not going to be able to go from opening day to the end of September, starting every fifth day and just racking up those innings. It's not going to happen. They're going to have to be creative about that. He's got that extra option year. He's been a swing man at times. So we'll see how his role ultimately plays out. But this is another one where he's put in the work. He made the adjustments, especially in late 2020. He has grinded. He has accepted that position over the last few seasons of being a guy that the Cubs bring up, then send down, bring up, then send down. He's done it. He's put in the work. He got with Jake Arrieta this spring training and learned and put in the work, you know, trying to learn from a veteran, make more changes, and he deserves this. He deserves a shot at this rotation. He deserves a shot at breaking camp on the major league roster, and I'm happy for him. I'm I'm very happy for him on a, on a personal level and from a level of watching his stuff as a fan. I, I think he's one of those guys who you can kind of dream on a little bit, where you know if he's able to hit closer to his ceiling, those higher percentile outcomes. Again, he's not going to be able to start every fifth day. That's just the reality of the situation, but. He's got that potential to give the Cubs some really, really solid starts and I think kind of shift some of the the perspective on a lot of the uncertainty as it relates to this pitching staff. If Alzali can pitch like we've seen him, especially like he did in some of those games last year and, and some of the stuff we've seen in the spring, that would be a, a, a big, big lift for this team. But Brendan, I mean, really, it sounded from when David Ross talked about it after the game, really sounded like that start against the Dodgers the other day sealed this up for Alzali because he was nasty in that game. And I mean, when you're getting check swing strikeouts on Mookie Betts, you know, throwing elevated heat, when you're getting Cody Bellinger to whiff on elevated heat for a strikeout, like you're going to catch people's attention, right? Like they, that was the Dodgers. I, I don't know if it was completely their A lineup. I, 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 I don't remember, but I know most of those guys were in there. Most of the Dodgers A lineup was in that game and Alzali was really good in that game, uh, got some strikeouts, got a lot of whiffs, and it just, it, 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 you didn't want to read into it too much after the game, but David Ross really sounded like that kind of sold him on making that kind of final decision. So I'm happy for Adbear. He deserves it. He deserves the shot. And I'm excited to see what he can do, man, because when you see what he's been able to do since uh, changing his arsenal a little bit and, and obviously making those changes that the pitching infrastructure has found for him, it, it's he looks really good. He looks really good. He's always been, uh, you know, sort of one of the bigger pitching names in this organization, in this, in this uh, you know, prospect pipeline. And it's, it's going to be exciting to see him kind of get this shot in, in 2021. Alzali from two years ago, completely different pitcher. Even talking about Alzali as a prospect, it's not even doing it justice because he's changed so much in under a year. So in September last year, when he came up to the bigs during that COVID year, he started throwing a sinker once every four pitches. Never threw a sinker before. Then he started throwing a slider also once every four pitches. Never threw a slider before. He developed two pitches that make up, and we'll see what happens this year, but could be making up half of his arsenal, Corey. Just like that. Just within a few weeks in a COVID-shortened season. And so when you see him go out there in spring, and yeah, he's had some bad outings, he's probably working on stuff, but when you see him go out there in his last outing and blow away Cody Bellinger with an up fastball, 
you know, showcasing that that breaking pitch, that slider, getting shoutouts from like pitching ninja, that that is big. I really think that's big for his confidence and getting rewarded for an opening day rotation slot for Alzali. That's huge. That has to feel good. Now, will he stay there the entire year? No, he's not going to. Mills could be in the rotation four weeks from now. We have we have no idea. But I like starting off with Alzali, mostly because you reward him. You validate his hard work. You validate this pitching infrastructure. And I don't know how long it's going to last for him in the rotation, but I'm also excited to see what he has as a, as a first shot. I I thought that Shelby Miller would have gotten the first shot yeah. about two weeks ago. And I thought because Alzali got rewarded that option, or not rewarded, because the Cubs got rewarded that option, I thought Alzali would start in AAA. And that's not what happened. So I'm actually more surprised, Corey, that Alzali got the nod in the rotation than I am that Nico did not even get a roster spot. I, I really thought Shelby Miller would at least get a bullpen role, and he did not. And two weeks ago, I thought he would be a starter in the fifth spot, given what we've been seeing. So to see Alzali get this, I like it. You reward him. I don't expect it to necessarily last. Maybe it will. Maybe he's so good, you can't take him out of the rotation unless there's an inning limit. But I don't think it's going to last. I think you'll see Mills in there within the next month. I still think Shelby Miller at some point will get some nods. Um and we'll see what happens, but I love it. I think from just a curiosity point of view, I think he has the best stuff out of the guys we talked about with Shelby Miller and Tyson Miller and uh, Alec Mills. So seeing it from day one from me, from a fan's perspective, I'm all about it. I love it. Yeah, and so Shelby Miller has one of those uh, specific opt-out dates, I think in mid-April or something like that, where if he's not on the major league roster, he can request his release. And, and you know, we've seen contracts like that before. So I, I would, as a lot of people have noted, I would assume that the Cubs have a plan to get him up there before that, uh, but just did not initially want to break it. And and part of that really might have been, like you said, just, just rewarding Alzali and letting him start, letting him build off of uh, a start like he had against the Dodgers, where he struck out some pretty high-profile guys, and just giving him that kind of early bump out the gate, and then you kind of manipulate the roster from there. I, I think the perhaps surprise, I guess. It was never really a concrete thing, but I think the surprise, if anything, is that Mills starts in the bullpen. And, you know, again, like this is going to be such a fluid thing. Mills is going to get some starts. He's going to get his opportunity. He is out of options. Uh, But we've also seen, you know, the Cubs have success with guys in that kind of swingman role, guys who are stretched out but who are part of the bullpen. Mike Montgomery had, uh, you know, uh, some some really nice stretches as being that kind of swingman coming in doing, you know, two, three, four innings at a time if the starter was bad or if you just needed some length or if you, you know, you were just in an early portion of the game and you didn't want to go to the heavy hitters in the bullpen yet, like bring in this guy to kind of give you some length. And so I think to start, I think that's that's good. And, you know, Mills is also a guy who I think has, has earned further shots, uh, but there probably will be plenty of those. So I think there's going to be some movement. This is just the five that are breaking camp as as your first five starters but I I wouldn't necessarily look at these guys as 
the rotation and the only rotation, right? I, I think it's it's going to be fluid. You're going to move some guys around. It's going to be interesting to watch. You know, it's 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 something that uh, we we don't really have like a concrete plan on, and the Cubs may not have a super concrete plan. Depends how guys pitch, depends how guys feel, and depends how you plan to manipulate all these things. But that's that's where they landed, and this is how they're going to start at the very least, as far as some of these guys in the bullpen, um, I, you know, I, I didn't really have too much of an issue with any of these decisions. I, I think, you know, really the only two I would even look at are Brothers and Maples, uh, just because they're guys who have not had as much success Um and, you know, Maples is, of course, a guy who, you know, we've all been on that roller coaster for a few years now. He's got great stuff, but has had horrible command. You know, Rex Brothers is another guy David Ross has really liked throughout this spring training. He's got stuff you can dream on, but, you know, he has not been successful at the MLB level in several years. It's successful like you'd want him to be. Um, but, guys have good camps. Dylan Maples made a lot of changes that Brendan wrote about at CubsInsider.com. And this is it. This is the last shot for him. And clearly they wanted to give it to him. And he, you know, he's looked good in a lot of these outings. He's looked to have some of that command stuff under control, at least a lot of the time. Uh, and they want to give it a shot. They, they want to give him a, a shot before moving on completely. And this is the last one. He's, he's out of, out of time here. So this is it. Um, and, you know, but with everybody else, you know, Kimbrell, Workman, Dan Winkler, Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin, Jason Adam, like, I don't think those guys are really surprises. We'll see how the hierarchy shakes out. You know, obviously, Craig Kimbrell has kind of trended up as, as spring has gone along, as he did in the 2020 season. Of course, he's uh, a, a name to watch. Brandon Workman, um, you know, someone who's had a lot of success in the past, coming back and, you know, hoping to to repeat that. And, We'll see how you know the the rest of it shakes out. We we've noted how how much we like Jason Adams, so looking forward to him being in that bullpen again, and we'll see what happens with Rex Brothers and Dylan Maples. I, I don't think you have to necessarily be super confident that those guys are going to work out or that they're going to be lights out, but they 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 had they showed some good stuff in this spring training, and the Cubs want to give it a shot. You know, I think especially with the twenty six man roster, and especially as we've talked about you know, coming off of 2020, I think you're going to see a lot of this stuff change pretty frequently throughout the year. The Cubs brought in a ton of guys. There's going to be a lot of interesting guys at that alternate site. And, you know, ultimately once the minor league season gets going. So I, you know, I, 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 I know that some people have kind of that, that initial reaction where they're just kind of done with the Dylan Maples experience, um, you know, and, and kind of the, it's working, it's, it's awful, it's working, it's awful, that, that kind of snip snap back and forth, you know, I get it, right, but he looked good, and they, they want to give it a shot, I, I think with, with things like this, it's, it's kind of similar to my fear, if Sogard isn't hitting well, and, you know, he's, he's not getting that good BABIP on some of those liners, and they're not falling in, the 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 issue for me only comes in if they stick with it too long and i think that's how i would look at guys like rex brothers and dylan maples giving them a shot i got no issue with it right if you're not if you're not super confident in it if you'd rather have gone with somebody else that's cool but i'm fine with giving guys like this a shot especially when they have stuff that has that kind of higher level potential as long as they cut bait if it doesn't work 
If it doesn't work, if it doesn't look like it's working, just don't ride it too long. Don't ride it too long. Don't overthink it. Don't let too many games get away from you because you're dreaming on one individual person. If it's not working, move on. So that's 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 all I really care about. The initial decision to try these things, I'm not I don't have, you know, too much of a, a strong reaction to. I think it's fine to check it out. Just, you know, don't don't let it go too long if it's if it's looking like the more negative outcome. Yeah. Well, they they have 14 pitchers. So Typically, in a regular year, you're going to see 12 pitchers being carried most of the time with uh, 13 uh, position players. That's all to say, having nine bullpen guys, you don't need Maples to be good, right? Like, you don't need him to go out there and, and shove. If they think even with some of the bad outings in spring training that he's putting stuff together and they want to give him a shot, I'm, I'm fine with that. They have so many options in AAA. They can bring anyone up at any time. And if they are indeed like into the idea of Maples finally turning the corner, sure, go for it. You have nine bullpen pitchers. If you had seven bullpen pitchers, I'm not into the idea. If you had eight, I'm still maybe not into the idea. But you have nine, fine, go for it. Have him go into mop-up duty, get some innings if you need it. But he's not going to get high leverage situations. If he does, I'd be, I'd be shocked. And I think you're going to see Maples more so in like mop-up duty, more so in games that are extremely low leverage only to give him an opportunity to continue to adapt. And even as we've been talking about, this has been the first spring of a legitimate pitching infrastructure camp. So Maples is still going through stuff. These changes cannot be made successfully in four to five weeks. Maybe it does take another four to five weeks. And if that means him getting mop-up duty in six-nothing games and 10 nothing games, Sure, that's fine. Put him in the fourth inning. Put him in the fifth inning. Let's see what he has. He's throwing 98, 99, 100 at times with that slider, with those change mechanics. Fine, go for it. I don't think it's a big deal. I know a lot of people are over the experiment. I totally empathize with them. I totally get it. But the alternative to me is like, you know, going to be there four weeks from now. So you might as well just give this one a go and, and see what happens. Yeah, and you know, so Maples goes again today. He's got three strikeouts on Sunday with a walk and an otherwise clean inning. ERA doesn't look good for the spring, but you know, that that is what it is. I don't think you care so much about ERA specifically in such a small sample. Uh, On the counter, though, uh, you know, Rex Brothers in eight games this spring, he last pitched, I think, on Saturday. Uh, He's got eight innings, nine strikeouts in those innings, a whip of 0.38. He hasn't given up an earned run. Again, like, you know, ERA, these things, it, it's it's not the be-all, end-all in, in spring training. Those two guys, one of them has a 5.2 ERA, one of them has a 0 ERA, but it's all about stuff. It's all about stuff. It's all about command and, and looking like they can come in and be guys that can get outs. And like I said, you know, the, the Cubs are, are dreaming on the stuff right now, and as long as they're you know, quick to make adjustments if they need to. I, I have no problem with any of these initial decisions. So that is really where we are. Um, again, still waiting on the confirmation of who is going to back up Wilson Contreras. Uh, obviously, you don't want to run Wilson into the ground. You want to make sure he's getting proper rest. But it does help when you have a starting catcher who is willing to play 180 games if he needed to. I realize the season's only 162, but Wilson would play 180 somehow. Uh, you know, it helps. 
right? Like he's willing to, I'm sure he's just the, you know, he's the type of guy who he doesn't care if he has a backup or not, right? He'll do it. Um, though you do want to get him some rest, but, uh, other than that, you know, this is, this is your group. This is your group that's going to head to Wrigley Field on Thursday to play the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I, again, you know, I, it's going to be a year where I expect you see a lot of changes. I expect some guys to be up and down, um, you know, especially in that bullpen and in that rotation and potentially on the bench. But uh, for the starters, you know, th- this is your group. And, and I hope that David Bodie is able to take the reins. And we really don't have any questions in any position, right? Like, because, you know, we entered this spring with concrete answers at seven of the eight positions. And at least to start, we've got our answer at the eighth and final one, which is David Bodie. So I, I hope he's able to take the ball and run with it. He's he's earned the shot. Um, and again, you know, just to sort of close the page on, on that discussion, I we, we just want Nico to succeed. So I think, you know, both Brendan and I, when this spring training started, I think we both would have picked Nico to be our guy. You know, Brendan kind of flirts with Nico being his favorite player, every every now and again no official mm-hmm. announcement there so i don't want to speak for him we'll but see. uh you know there's a lot of nico love on this podcast so uh you know we're we're certainly not in the category to uh sugarcoat anything as it comes to that but david's earned the opportunity and I, and i hope he's able to succeed there he had a great spring he's always shown you know the ability to make really good contact and have so much pop in his bat um and he's earned it, so I'm 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 happy for him, and I and I hope that he is able to make good on on what David Ross was was saying this weekend, which is we want David to get the opportunity to be the everyday starter, and I hope that's how it plays out because that would mean very good things for the Chicago Cubs if David Bodie is able to succeed in that spot. But that's I I I think what we have for you. Most of the position decisions and and pitching decisions have been made the roster decision portion of of spring training was pretty much completed this weekend and uh over the course of this week before the Cubs and Pirates play on Thursday we will have another episode for you that's more in the prediction vein we'll obviously as we normally do do our look at the the series we'll give you the probables and and all that stuff and and how it's going to look and we're back on our twice a week schedule. So pretty much uh, until at the very earliest, right, October, hopefully November, and hopefully it includes parade coverage. Uh, But Brendan and I will be with you rain or shine twice a week, once after every series the Cubs play. So uh, for any new listeners, uh, that means we will have, again, one episode on Wednesday night, Thursday morning to prepare for the Pirates series. And then when the Cubs and Pirates finish on Sunday, we will recap that series, talk about what happened in that series, not just recap it, and then look forward to the next series. And then that continues through the entire season. And I am uh, not exaggerating when I say this. We have literally never missed one of these. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes it's just Brendan. Sometimes it's one of us. And, you know, maybe Evan Altman from CubsInsider.com if we really need a sub. Uh, But one thing we are pretty proud of between Brendan and I is that we stick to a schedule. You guys can rest assured that when a series the Cubs play ends during this season, 
something will show up on the Cubs-related podcast feed. We will not leave you hanging. We will not disappear. There will be an episode after every series the Cubs play, and that means twice a week. So you can take that to the bank, death, taxes, and the Cubs-related podcast twice a week during the regular season will be there to talk about Chicago Cubs baseball. So uh, as always, you know, we, we've got a little bit more runway here, but we thank you guys uh, for joining us through another off season, through another spring training. We are very much looking forward to covering Chicago Cubs baseball in the regular season. Uh, I don't know exactly when it's going to be, but uh, personally, I'm very excited to get back to Wrigley Field. It's not going to be this first home stand, but at, at some point, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to being back in beautiful, historic Wrigley Field, the friendly confines. And we're grateful for your guys' listenership. As always, if you uh, listen on Apple Podcasts and you have a spare moment and have not done so already, I know so many of you have already done this and we're very appreciative of it. Uh, But if you haven't and can leave us a five-star review and a comment, uh, you know, a a written review of something, why you enjoy the pod, um, whether it be anything. I, I I don't care what positive thing you say, uh, but we really appreciate the five-star reviews and those comments. It helps us a little bit in terms of the iTunes, Apple Podcasts algorithm. And other than that, yeah, we're we're very grateful to have, have been through another off-season. This was a, a tumultuous one at times. It wasn't easy, right? Um, but we're here. We're excited, and we'll have one more episode for you before we strap it on and go for the Chicago Cubs regular season. So as always, thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you again soon. I'm Corey. This is Brendan. This is the Cubs-related podcast. And as always, we end by saying, Go Cubs! Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.